Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Brad Schmidt. I oversee all of the faith and work initiatives here at NCF. And today, we're going to be spotlighting a speaker that we love to have with us at LifeWork Leadership. Jonathan Almanzar is with us today. He is the CEO of Chicken Cone, a fast craft franchise with dozens of stores all over the world. That's chicken in a waffle cone, an incredible, simple idea that has grown and done incredibly well. And he's going to talk to us today about how his faith intersects with his work and how his calling has been such uh, an incredible journey for him and in, in how he's integrated his family with it, how he's integrated uh, his faith with his calling, and we're excited to have him with us. So uh, join me in welcoming Jonathan Almanzar. Jonathan, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Absolutely. Yeah. So you have been uh, a friend of LifeWork over yep. the past year. You've spoken a couple times. I believe we had you speak uh, as a keynote in Fort Lauderdale and then in Miami. I think we have you upcoming in West Palm Beach. And uh, I just loved the story you shared about uh, how your vocational life evolved yeah. and how you figure out how to integrate your faith into your business life. And because at LifeWork, that's really what what it's all about. It's where's the professional development meeting the spiritual development? And you have an incredible story on that. And, and I wanted to start with um, your your vocation, your calling originally as a pastor Yeah. for 12 years, right? Yep. You were pastoring a church, uh, two churches, Yeah, right? I started a church in Colorado and then pastored a church in Pennsylvania. And then you went on from that immediately into starting what is now a growing, large, fast craft franchise called Chicken Cone with how many locations? 30-something locations from Dubai to Pacifica, California. So how did you go from pastoring a church to being a franchise mogul uh, with with Chicken Cone? What's that story? A lot of ups and downs for sure. Like yeah. a lot of problems and heartaches, but also some like really exciting, exciting moments. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, t- take us back. You're pastoring a church yep. and, and obviously you stopped pastoring the church. Mm-hmm. So how did that happen? So it started out where I just wanted to make an extra $1,500 a month. That was my goal. Like there were some things, um, as a pastor, you know, you don't, you weren't bringing home the bacon yeah, as I a pastor. I wasn't making a ton really? of money. Okay. And so surprising. Um, there were some things that I wanted that I just, I didn't feel like necessarily they, that these are selfish things, but like I wanted to get my son new shoes for soccer, be able to send him to soccer camp, uh, be able to send my daughter to some different musical theater things that she wanted to do. And so I figured $1,500 a month would be what we would need to make uh, to to do that. So that's kind of where the impetus of Chicken Cone started is just, I needed to make a little more money. And then it like became a snowball, you know, like most things I've started a lot of things in my life. Yeah. I've always started things that I wanted to change the world with. And this was the first time I started something that I just wanted to change my world with. And it was the first time that instead of pushing this giant boulder up a hill and trying to start a business, it was like, I just got over the top, tipped it over and it just started racing downhill. And I spent the next four and a half, five years just trying to catch up and hold on. Fascinating. So talk to me, was there a moment when you realized 
I'm not going to pastor anymore. I'm I'm done with this. I'm going to move on. Can you describe that moment? Yeah. I mean, I was um I was standing in front of our church congregation getting ready to speak. And I just knew, like, I, I don't know how to explain it to you other than I'm just sitting there and I was like, I think this is the last sermon I'm going to preach. And so I, I preached this sermon and we had a lead team meeting afterwards and we went down into the little alcove where the lead team was gathered. And um, before we started talking about all the issues at hand, I just said, hey, I need to tell you guys, like, I think I'm done. And they're like, what do you mean? What do you mean you're done? I was like, like you I, have to go. I You'll think, be back in an hour. Yeah, I was like, no, I think I'm like done, done. And one very uh, perceptive lady said, like, do you mean this was your last sermon? And I was like, yeah, I think this was my last sermon. And I thanked everybody and they were very kind and gracious. And I made the little walk home and told my wife, I just resigned. And that's, that's how it happened. Wow. You know, what's crazy though, that day while I was resigning, my business partner and co-founder of Chicken Cone was jumping on a trampoline with his daughter for her birthday at a trampoline park. And he tore every ligament in his knee, his ACL, MCL, PCL, LCL, every, every single thing, his meniscus that day. And he was supposed wow. to be on a flight the next week for a grand opening that we were having in um, St. Pete, Florida. And he couldn't do it because that happened. And I wow. wouldn't have been able to do that if I hadn't resigned. And I resigned and then took his flight and... Flew down wow. there for a grand so opening. what a day. So you, you lose, you lose your only stable job yes. at that time. He loses all of his stable li ligaments yes. at that time. Yeah. Um, but that was a dynamic day in yeah. your life and his life and in the life of the kingdom and the life of your family. Um, what was it like, you know, leaving the pastorate? Mm -hmm. with the, which has with it all of these spiritual dynamics of Jonathan, you're doing the Lord's work, you know, keep it up. You know, this is, this is work that really matters to God. It's, it's sacred. And then you go and you start this, this company. Um, and so you're no longer doing the religious clergy work. How did you calibrate calling? How did you calibrate um, faith and work in that season? Did you see it as going from one thing to the next or was it all kind of part of your original calling? I think a very interesting thing was, um, I, I've told a lot of my close friends this, but the first time I prayed for a meal in probably 20 years was after I quit being a pastor. Like Unpack that. It, it just... I was appreciative for my meal. I, it was almost like I had this okay to actually be the, the family that is sitting at a table over there that people are looking at while they pray because it wasn't an expectation of my life anymore. It was actually like a desire of my life. Wow. And so I think all the things that I should have experienced as a pastor, they were all expectations. And so when I switched out of being clergy, they now became choices and decisions that I could make that weren't expectations. And it opened up my life to a lot of freedom. And I've, I've seen it like in other aspects too, but that's just like a very graphic way of displaying. I didn't lose any of the spiritual aspects of life. In fact, yeah. I feel like I gained them. They became real yeah. and rich and yeah. not ritual, if that makes sense. 
It does. What would you say then, if that's the case, what would you say to someone who is working in a secular business and maybe they they look at kind of their life and they're thinking, you know, am I really doing the Lord's work here? You know, should I sell it all and go become a missionary and, you know, move to a foreign country? And, I've and, done that. And, and what do you say to them when they're thinking that way and using that kind of as a framework for making their decisions? All work is sacred. First of all, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter what your profession is or where you get your paycheck from. It's sacred. I mean, it belongs to God. Everything that we do belongs to him. So I think that's like a really important aspect. Um, I think that we're all, we're all called, all of us were given two jobs in the very beginning of the Bible. Mm-hmm. We we're told to multiply, to keep and protect the earth and to cult- cultivate. So really mm-hmm. three things, three tasks in the garden. Mm-hmm. And I think that garden transposes into every aspect of life. Like my garden can be a auto dealership. If that's where I'm working, it can be my yeah. family. It can be a a bowling alley, if that's where I'm working, that can be my garden. And so when you look at it to cultivate your job, the job that God gave you from birth is to cultivate, to discover the potential and bring to fruition that bowling alley, that auto shop, whatever it is. And so I think that we all have the, you use the word sacred, sacred opportunity to join in the divine in creating, cultivating, protecting, and multiplying the garden that God places us in. That God places you in, which if I'm understanding you correctly, the inference is where are you right now? Yeah. What are you doing right now? Not what could you be doing? Right. What are you doing right now? And how do you, how do you cultivate around you and within you and alongside you? Um, So I think that's, that's a beautiful picture. And I, it's really inspiring because I, I come across a lot of business leaders who feel compartmentalized mm-hmm. that my, you know, my faith is something I do on Sunday and my work is something I do on Monday. And then my community service is what I do on Saturday, maybe once a month with Habitat for Humanity and like- Or whatever the, the judge ordered them to do. <laughs> whatever the judge ordered them to do with the jumpsuit. Uh, jump um, I when really what you're getting at, which I love, is that it's all one. Yeah. It's it's that Hebrew word avodah, right? Which I know you're familiar with yeah. too, which is it's work, it's worship, it's service. It's all one. Yeah. It's all one. And I think your story, why I'm so drawn to it, is a picture of that, that common thread. Um, so – you take this you take this new step to build chicken cone and you said um it started taking off yeah how we um kept getting opportunities and we decided early on like every opportunity we get we're just going to take it no yeah. matter what it is no matter how big it is no matter how ridiculous so we got an opportunity to be in the winter village in new york city so in new york city bryant park they do this christmas village yeah. Um, it was going to be 62 days long, cost more money than we had just to get into it. We had to build out all kinds of stuff. Um, we took that opportunity. It went great. And in the middle of us in New York City for 62 days, I get a message from some guy in Dubai who said, hey, I would like to franchise your business. And I was like, can we even do that? I don't even know if we're allowed to franchise. Like, Do you have to have a certain number of stores? But I just replied, okay, great. We're in the middle of something. I'll get yeah. back to you in January. 
We got back to him in January and we started the process of franchising and our first franchise was overseas. So like, wow, it was completely out of control from the very beginning. And that doesn't daunt you or scare you. Does that, are you, are you like one of those guys where that's just like all of your life is like that? You're thrilled by that idea. My favorite book is on undaunted courage actually. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, it's very thrilling, but you get yourself into some major mistakes then as well that like, I didn't, I don't know if you call it naivety or whatever. Like I just, you couldn't yeah, foresee give me a big one. Give me like a big giant mistake. I can't believe our first franchise being overseas. That's a giant mistake. Like it, yeah. it's turned out great, yeah. but it was a lot of work and really, really, really hard to figure yeah. all of that out. Like yeah. we, we took steps and spent money when we didn't have money. And a, a, there's just a lot of those, those kinds of mistakes. We opened restaurants all over the United States instead of in one small area. So lots of mistakes. So uh, how you're married, you have two kids. So you're not just taking this risks as a single person. No. You're taking this as um, somebody who, I don't know, were you in your thirties when you started that? When yeah. you started Chicken Cone? Okay. Yeah. So you're in your thirties, you've got a family, you have a growing family at that time and you're taking these risks were they supportive of those risks? Were they terrified of those risks? Just talk to me about that. Can they be both? Yeah, they can. That, they okay. can be, they can, it's your story. They could be so, whatever, whatever. So I you think want, that's what it was. I think it was, I think it was terrified support. Like my wife is phenomenal. Like she's very, very supportive. Yeah. I'm sure she was nervous at times, but, um, I, like I, I tried to be there emotionally, mentally, physically for every event that I needed to be. And I think that helped, um, stop some of that. You're talking about big, terror. big games, big, big, big recitals. Game. I was at every game. You I was at every, every, every recital, anything like that. I continued to have like a wow. weekly date with my wife. Like we did all of those things to, to keep it there. And, and we've been married for 27 years now. Like we have a deep trust bank and I yeah. took out a lot of withdrawals during that time in our trust bank, but like we had put a lot in. So I think that that helped, but yeah, there was, there was, there was fear and support from my family. Yeah. That is quite a fine line to walk on. Yeah. Like I don't hear of a lot of entrepreneurs who in the early years of building a business are able to pull off any semblance of the work-life balance that you just described, which was, yeah. again, I'm at the big events. I'm not missing the proms. I'm not missing the big games. I'm not missing date night every week. Like that's, that's uncommon, right? I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs that um, I'm around are saying, hey, I had to tell my spouse for the next two years, you're just not going to see me a lot, yeah. but we're going to pay a price to win. And then we're going to get the work-life balance back on track. Um, that wasn't your story though, right? No, I don't believe in the phrase work-life balance either. So why? T tell me about that. I just, I think it's life. I don't think yeah. there's a balance between work and life. It's, it's all yeah. life. And if you believe yeah. that your work is a calling or something good, then it's not this negative thing that's a part of your life that you're forced to go and do. But it's this opportunity that I have to use my God-given talents and abilities to further something here on earth and create a better atmosphere for my family and for my coworkers and from those who are coming in to eat chicken cones or, or yeah. whatever it is. So we were on mission. And when you're on mission, like there are small sacrifices. I didn't watch a lot of TV for two years. 
I didn't watch hardly any TV for You didn't know years. who got kicked I, off the island? No. Did, like, you, did you not know who got the rose? No. No? I, I, I did. There were a lot of those <laughs> things that, that I I know what you're talking about right now, but nine years ago, I might not have even known what you're talking about. So there yeah. were a lot of those kinds of sacrifices that I, that I had to make, um, but they were all personal sacrifices. My family didn't necessarily have to make familial sacrifices maybe monetary sacrifices, but not familial sacrifices. And I tried to involve yeah. them a lot in yeah. what I was doing too. How, what advice do you have for somebody who's an entrepreneur, who's got, you know, incredible risk in front of them? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know a little bit of your story. It's not like you had this giant trust fund that you were drawing no. from that was allowing you to take these risks. You were doing it on the edge yeah. and your, your family was right there with you. And like you just said, you didn't, intentionally create or allow there to be any scenarios where you were sacrificing their flourishing right. for the sake of this company. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur listening to this, you're probably going, tell me how to do that. Either that or the, they think I'm a liar. <laughs> there's, there's one of those two things. But, but let me just but, say, because I've gotten to know you over the yeah. past few years, you're not a liar. I know your family. I know yeah. your, your wife. I know the connection and the meaningful relationship you have with your whole family. Like it is, it's the best part about this story is it's true. Yeah. So what advice do you have for somebody aspiring towards that type of familial vocational fulfillment? Yeah, you you can you can make it happen. Like I would just for as an example, I was working a full time job as a pastor. I was starting a company. I was driving to New York City every day. At one point, I worked sixty two days straight in inside of a little tiny booth in New York City. Um, plus, trying to raise capital because, as you said, I didn't have money. We maxed out our credit cards at our very first event and had to hope that we made enough money to buy food for the next day. Like yeah. that's the re- the situation we were in. So I had all of these things happening, but there is plenty of time if you if you and I don't even want to say organize it if you prioritize it correctly. Like I didn't I didn't exercise like I have the freedom to do now. I didn't have a league that I went and played softball in or basketball. I didn't have a lot of amusements. My amusements was spending time with my family and anything that I did outside of chicken cone, I wanted to it to be where my family was involved. So I didn't lose that connection. So I just prioritized planning my time outside of chicken cone to be something that my family could do as well. Did you feel like you had a big miss during that time? My personal wellness, my, the health, like, or, or do you look back and go, no, between the vocational, uh, you know, movement that was happening, my family's needs were being met. Like when I think about putting my life together, that was during that time enough. Or did you feel like, no, there was a big hole that you had to sacrifice. How do you, how do you look at that sacrifice in, in retrospect? No, I don't, I don't feel like it was a sacrifice. Like I, I'm not proud of a lot of things in my life, but yeah. I'm, but I'm, I'm proud of like the, where our family is, is as a family, even in growing a company with tons of challenges and heartache in the midst of it, we're still like a, a tight loving family. And I'm, I'm proud of the sacrifice and effort I put in there, but I, I don't, it doesn't, 
it's, I know it's a sacrifice when I talk about it. It never felt like a sacrifice. That's what while I was, was asking. Happening. Yeah. I know it was like, you know, now you get to go, you know, work so, on your health in ways and you're to be able to work out and, and have time to go to the gym and things like that now. Whereas back then you didn't, I was just curious. So yeah, you dude, know, how do you look back on all that? In the Bible, when Paul says, I wish I could sacrifice, yeah. I wish I could have sacrificed. And, and you sit there and think, Okay, like six chapters ago, you were just telling me that you were shipwrecked, yeah, bit by a snake, being, yeah, yeah, almost yeah. died, had Correct. a stomach, all lived in a hole that you got thrown in by the Roman Sounds emperor. like sacrifice Sounds to me. Sounds like sacrifice yeah. to me. Yeah. But, but when he looks back over his life, he's like, I, I wish I could have sacrificed. <laughs> and so I, yeah, I feel like that's, that's kind of how it is. That's kind of deep. Yeah. But I think that's, that's when you bring the sacred into it and you, yeah. and you stop saying, this is my secular work. This is the sacred time, but it's just, it's life. And all of life is a gift and a blessing from God. And all of it's sacred. Every life is sacred. The fact yeah. that we're alive, that is sacred. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's true. I, I just so appreciate this um, conversation. It's actually making me think about my own vocation, my own uh, my own family, and it's making me rethink sacrifice a little bit because some I hear that word and I think dry toast, yeah, you know. But you're giving me and I'm assuming our listeners a different way to think about sacrifice, which is no when you when you when you sacrifice the right things for the right things, yeah, that produces something called joy and fulfillment. That on the other side of it, that is forged often through pain, yeah. Right and heartache, but when you sacrifice the right thing for the right thing, there's beauty in that. That's incredible. Um, well, well you said it. I just, I just, just said it better. To, I just, you just, you just, you just <laughs> took what I said and made it better. So yeah, good job. No, but you, you, uh, yeah, you went there. And I appreciate that. Um, I, I got one last question because I'm looking at kind of your story, and one of the threads that you've brought up here is we. Didn't know, but we figured it out. Mm -hmm. We said yes. You know, everything's a qualified yes. Yes. How do we figure it out? You know, um, do you think you have the gift of faith? Do you think you are uniquely risk averse? Can everybody tap into this or is this only for certain people or are you daily having to hang on to God and be dependent on him to be able to live in this way? Can you talk about some of the spiritual dynamics yeah. of of living a life of risk taking and courage? I think I mean I think we're called to take risks and I, and risks I think only exist on this side of eternity. Like if, yeah. if we had God's viewpoint, we would see no risks, yeah. right? Because we would be able to see the beginning and the end. Yeah. So I, I lean into that a lot. Um, maybe I have unwarranted courage at times, but I I think everybody can tap into it. But everybody's risk level, like what is a risk to some people might not be a risk to others. And I think that's, what's important. I mean, it, there may be people that are, that are disposed to be very cautious in life and that's great. We need cautious people there. And so maybe a risk for them is, is saying, you know what, I'm going to pull a little money out of my IRA and invest in this crazy crypto thing. That may be their risk. That may be yeah. the biggest risk they ever take in their life, but it's yeah. still like, if they feel like this is something, an opportunity that God is placing in front of them, then they should run for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's a good encouragement. Jonathan, thank you so much. Um, thank you for being in the LifeWork family now. And uh, for those of you listening, this is the type of conversation we have every month at LifeWork. We have a LifeWork leadership program we're running in West Palm Beach coming up. We've got a LifeWork journey in Broward County and uh, Miami-Dade County. Uh, just different ways for you to work out this the intersection of professional development and spiritual development. And the way we do that is through conversations like this. And, uh, and so Jonathan, thank you for being a part of this. And before you you go, um, if people want to learn more about you, the work you're doing, uh, through chicken cone and the other works that you do, because I know you're doing a lot of public speaking, you're doing writing, um, how do people get connected to you if they want to follow up? Yeah, I guess the most egotistical way possible, they can go to jonathanalmanzar.com and uh, they can like they can connect with me there. Like I read every email that comes in and and they can yeah, find stuff. That's there. not egotistical at all because I, know, I, I just... teed you up, I teed you up <laughs> for it. But jonathanalmanzar.com, if you want to follow up with Jonathan, connect with him. He'd uh, I'm sure love to connect with you. Uh, but thank you very much. Absolutely. And thank you. Uh, look forward to having you speak coming up at LifeWork Leadership in West Palm Beach in the next few months. Fantastic. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you got some valuable content from it. Again, if you want to follow up with Jonathan, you can reach him online at jonathanalmanzar.com. We're going to put that link in the description of the podcast for you. And if you want more information on LifeWork Leadership, you can check us out at lifeworksouthflorida.com as you heard about that today. And if you need information on what we're up to here at NCF South Florida, you can go to ncfgiving.com forward slash South Florida. See you next time.